Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. Matt Tavares is the author-illustrator of numerous acclaimed picture books, including Becoming Babe Ruth, Growing Up Pedro, and other sports biographies, and is the illustrator of 21 Steps, Guarding the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier by Jeff Gottesfeld, among many other titles. Hoops is his first graphic novel and a story dear to his heart as the father of two sports-loving girls. Matt Tavares lives in Maine. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tavares Books and learn more at TavaresBooks.com. Here is my conversation with Matt. Hi, Matt. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to meet you. I'm excited to talk about Hoops. And I want to tell you, though, at first, when I uh, received the information about your book, I looked at it. I thought, oh, wow, that looks really cool. And so chatted with your publicist. We got all set up. And then I realized I knew your name from somewhere, and it's because of Red and Lulu. Oh, nice. Because that is one of my favorite picture books that I use as a read aloud. I read it every year to the kids at our school. Oh, thank we have you. 29 classes. So I, and I read it from TK, which is our transitional kindergarten, all the way up to fifth grade. And we all just love it. It's such a heartwarming book. And I also love that it is tied to the tree at Rockefeller Center and that it comes out of someone's yard and all the stuff that you included. It's just a fantastic book. So I'm so excited to talk to you about your new project, but thank you for writing what you've already written too. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing it with your your students. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, we love it. It's really, and and my favorite is because it's such a good annual read. They, mm-hmm. It's so fun to bring it out with them. And I need to add Dasher to our time too. And mm. I know you've illustrated some of the other books that we have in our library. So I'm just, I'm thankful, but I'm excited to talk to you today because you're making this transition into middle grade and graphic novels. So we'll get to that. But I want yes. to ask you a really important question. I mean, we know you're a writer and illustrator and you're very talented, but what is your least favorite household chore? Oh, okay. I would say my least favorite household chore is probably taking out the compost. Like Ooh. we try to compost and, you know, it's good for the environment and of course. Um, try to do our part, but it's gross, you know, <laughs> like we have this this little bin of like eggshells and just like kind of gross slops of food. And and so I have to take it up to the yard. I live in Maine, so especially like this time of year, like right now oh. it's like five degrees outside and windy. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I don't really want to go out. And then it's like the lid to the compost is frozen shut. And I'm like whacking at it with my freezing hands. And 
so yeah, I guess that is probably my my least favorite chore. <laughs> Don't you love that? That even as an adult, because I have teenage sons, so when I ask them to do something, there's a lot of like, Ugh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> I mean. And I get it, but it's funny how even as an adult, I don't say it anymore, but in my mind, I think, I don't want to do that. Right. Like nobody wants to do all that stuff. You just have to do it because it's, you don't want to live in a house where that's never done because it would be gross. A hundred percent. But I will, uh, I will think of you next time. I think uh, next time I take out our little compost bag, we have little bags, which makes a big difference. I will say. Yeah. You know, we can share compost tips because that's what boring adults do. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. (laughs) Well, I am. okay. so that's good to know about you. I feel like we have a real insight into the glamour of your mornings and days, Mm -hmm. of course. But I'm so excited to talk about Hoops. It's your first graphic novel. Tell me about I know I read a lot of information about kind of how it came to be. But I guess give me a why did you want to write this story in the first place? So the thing um, that really drew me to this story, I, I first came across the true story that the book is inspired by. Hoops, Hoops itself is a fictional story. But I came across the, the true story in a book called We Were There Too, Young People in U.S. History, written by Philip Hose, okay. uh, who also lives in Maine. But I was just so drawn to the story because I had I had done a few sports books where the main characters end up being famous professional athletes. Yes. And I love this story because... Becoming Babe Ruth, correct? Is yeah, one. Becoming Babe yes. Ruth, okay, Growing sorry, Up continue. Pedro. Yeah, yes. I've done a few baseball biographies. And I like those books, but I, I love this story just because the, the main characters are just regular high school kids. And I feel like it shows that you don't have to be a professional athlete making millions of dollars to do something important. Mm-hmm. Um, and these these girls made such uh, an impact on their community and, and really made an impact on how a lot of people saw girls sports at the time back in the 1970s. So I, I really loved that. And I, I actually thought back to when my younger daughter was in elementary school, I remember her class put together a little video that the teacher showed us at one of these breakfasts that we went to where all the kids said what they wanted to be when they grew up. Mm-hmm. And like, more than half the kids had some type of professional athlete. And I remember feeling like, I mean, that's cool. Like I wanted to be a baseball player when I was a kid. Most of these kids probably aren't going to be professional athletes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, like they're just such interesting kids that have all these different talents and and things that make them special. And I felt like a story where just like a regular high school kid is the hero uh, doing, doing some amazing things really appealed to me as opposed to a story where the character against all odds becomes a professional athlete which i feel like isn't necessarily the the ideal perfect thing for all of us to be you know for some people sure but you can do some great stuff without having that happen i really like that perspective and you're right because there is sort of the shinier you know professions or people the things they think they want to do and so to provide yeah. a lens into your life is important and can make a difference no matter what level you're engaging at. Yeah. Even when you're a kid. Yes. Oh, I love that. So you came up with the idea or the idea was there. You were originally thinking picture book. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And it sounded like then it was you graduated or not graduated from that, but you decided that it would be better as a graphic novel. How did you get to that point? 
Yeah, so I had the idea to do it as a picture book originally, mostly because that's what I had done before. Sure. And I, it was at this sort of weird time where I hadn't, I, after I finished Red and Lulu in 2016, I didn't have any books on contract. And it was like the first time in 15 years, I just didn't have anything signed up. Wow. So I had a few different ideas in the works. One of them ended up being Dasher. And so all of a sudden I had four, I signed a four book contract with Candlewick. And this was sort of on the schedule to be the last of the four. Okay. So I had time to think about it as I worked on other books. And the more I dug into it and started researching, and I actually got to speak with some of the players on the, the real team that the story is based on, I just kept feeling like there's so much I want to put into this book. Mm. And I felt like it's not even necessarily for a, for a, a picture book audience. I, I imagined older kids reading it. Yes. And my kids at the time were getting into reading all of Raina Telgemeier's graphic novels and Roller Girl and El Defo. And I was reading those books and I felt like this, this is the kind of book that this story could be. Yes. And I felt like, I don't know how to do that, but that's what I was picturing. Yeah. Um, so I finally got up the, the nerve to tell my editor that I was thinking that this would really work as a graphic novel. And I remember at first she was like, oh yeah, I was thinking that like, like um, having different panels on the pages. And I was like, no, like a real 200 yeah. page, like not a picture book, like a graphic right. novel. And so they had to, at Candlewick, I think they had to kind of discuss it amongst themselves. I had already signed a contract to do it as a picture book, but they decided to trust me to give it a try, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. And it just allowed me to tell a whole different kind of story. There's so much more space just to allow the characters to, you kind of have those in-between times that you really don't have time for in a picture book. So it was a really fun experience to just jump into something so new for me. What I'm so glad you did. It's really, now that I've read it as a graphic novel, I can't quite picture it as a picture book because you're right. It is, I think so many arcs within the story need a little mm. more space to really do them justice. So I... I think it was so great. And I have to confess, I am not a huge graphic novel fan. I really yeah. try, but I find sometimes something for me, brain-wise, I struggle to, it's almost like I have to read them more slowly and maybe mm -hmm. it's just, I it's think- It's a different kind of reading. It is. And growing accustomed to that, I think finally, once I pinpointed that, I was like, oh, I'm developing a different skill here, which, you know, I've modified this into a cute little- the more you know moment that the children have to listen to at school, which of course they love my mini yeah. lectures about my own reading. Sure. But I really enjoyed this one and you did a really good job because there's not too much, some of the graphic novels, the best way I can describe them is noisy, mm. where there's just too much happening for me to really pull in. But yeah. I loved this. It was so smooth. It was really well it was a joy to read. And I was really invested, I think, in a way, not only with the story, but just the way you told it. It was really well done. So I'm excited to put this in the hands of my Thank elementary you. schoolers. They will eat it up. And I think it's such a good... I love some of the graphic novels that are out, but many of them are kind of in one genre. And I think this just tells such a valuable story. So I'm excited to share it. Did Thank you... you have I know you mentioned in one of the notes about it that you had a moment where you thought this isn't going to work and you ended up talking to Cece Bell who yep. wrote El Defo. Will yeah. you tell me what 
what was the encouragement in that conversation or how did that go? Because I'm always fascinated by little moments that either set us on a different track or keep us on the same one. So if you wouldn't mind, would you share about that? Sure. Yeah. So this was in the summer of 2019. I went to this conference called Nerd Camp that uh, Colby Sharp used to put together. He's a teacher in Michigan. What's that? (laughs) I want in on that. I want to come. Awesome. And it was this amazing conference that it was totally like grassroots, how it began, just a bunch of teachers and librarians threw it together. Yeah. And then a bunch of authors would come and then eventually publishers started paying to send their authors to it. But it was this really great conference where it's just, you're just surrounded by people who love books. Yeah. Um, so I was there with Candlewick and CC Bell had a Candlewick book out at the same time. So we were kind of hanging out a lot at the conference. Okay. And it was just this one, just one of those perfect little moments where like, it's kind of, the whole thing is crazy. Like for someone like me, I'm not a celebrity by any means, but when I'm at a conference like that, yeah. it feels like it's kind of, it, it's it's overwhelming at times because you're walking through the school and there's just all these librarians and they're the only people in the world who know who I am. <laughs> and they and there are no organized signings at NerdCamp. It's all sort of just impromptu chance meetings. So oh, wow. people will just come up to you and want you to sign their book and and it's really cool, but it's, there was this green room, which is sort of like where you could go take a break. Totally. Um, so I went back there just to take a little break, and it was just Cece and me. Okay. And I was telling her about the graphic novel, and she's just like this really funny, super positive person who, mm. as I was telling her about it, she was just, uh, she might not even remember the conversation, but it was just like, oh, you should do it. It's going to be amazing. That's such a cool idea. Like, you're Matt Tavares. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like, just really encouraging and positive and just got me, I I definitely left that conference just feeling like extra motivated and inspired just talking to her and talking to everyone else there and just this amazing group of book creators and and book enthusiasts that kind of kind of recharged my batteries to go give it a try. Oh, what perfect timing. And I can just picture you walking down a hall with like rabid librarians running after you. (laughs) It's like that there. That sounds... (laughs) And there were people, I mean, like Jason Reynolds was there and like Ellen Gratz. And um, I mean, to see those those people who are, you know, certainly a a higher level of uh, fame within the library community than (laughs) I have. But um, it was quite a scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need a, uh, you probably need a name tag or something that says, you know, Matt Tavares, library famous. Yeah, right. Something along those <laughs> Nobody lines. Nobody knows right? I'm famous, right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. I want in on that. Both on oh, both yeah. sides, right? Like I just, that sounds. There are like regional nerd camp conferences too. I don't know if there's anything out in California. I know there's a, there's a New England one. Okay. Well, I would travel for that if I'm being honest. Oh, you'd like it. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I love it because it's so true. Like, even when I get to talk to children's book authors on the podcast, it's not, you know, it's a different kind. You have kind of your area and then we have adult authors and then we have, you know, celebrity celebrities. It's just such a... But I love that. I can totally picture it. Maybe you could write a book about nerd camp, but it could be like Revenge of the Librarians or something <laughs> where they they all lost their minds. I don't know. Maybe I'll keep that idea for Maybe myself. you could write it. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. I can't draw. <laughs> but I'm sure that I need a growth mindset about that too. So we'll get yes. into my issues later. <laughs> <laughs> I really also liked that you put a note in the back. The note about Title IX, is that going to be in the final copy of this? Yes book. Okay. Yep. Because I really appreciated 
that you brought up, you know, how much things have changed and also how much they haven't. Because as, you know, I was in high school in the 90s. And so I was a a recipient of kind of what had happened with Title IX and girls sports and being in set. But then that NCAA video came out. Did you know that you wanted to include that? When did that happen in the timeline of writing this? So that was, I think it was in 20, what what year? Maybe it was 2021 that that Sedona Prince posted that video showing just the discrepancy of the, I'm actually looking through it now to see. March, 2021, you put in here. Yeah, yeah. So I was working on hoops at the time. Okay. It was pretty much full time from January, 2020, straight through to the beginning of 2022. So that I worked on this book. Yeah. So yeah, I was working on this book about this exact subject. And then Sedona Prince, who was a basketball player, I think for the University of Oregon, just posted a video on TikTok originally, I think, and showing that the boys, uh, the men's teams for the NCAA basketball tournament had this massive workout facility. And the women's teams had like this one rack of dumbbells that they had to share. And it went viral and it actually made them change how they had it set up. But as that video kind of went around, I got an email from Lisa Vandermark, who's the mm-hmm. inspiration for one of the characters in Hoops, just saying, like, did you see this? Like, it's hard to believe some things never change. And it just it just really made me think about how when things do change, it's usually because of a young person like Lisa back yes. in her day and, and Sedona and Prince, Sedona. Wow. who use their voice to raise awareness of this stuff and get the people in charge to change it. Yeah. To take notice. I think that's so true. And we do, we live in an age too, where because of social media and the internet, I mean, there can be such good opportunities for change. So I like that you included that. And it's, it was a perfect note for this book. I mean, unfortunate that it had to be there, but, but still so powerful and important to see this is where we've come. And also this is the distance we have yet to go. Yep. So I really appreciated that that was in there. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. What was your favorite part of working on a graphic novel as opposed to a picture book? Or did you find the process the same? Oh, no, I felt like I found it totally different. Okay. Yeah, it was it was totally different. I, I loved the newness of it. Like for mm. me, I had made 20 picture books and felt like I was, you know, kind of getting in a groove where you get used to the same colors you use with your watercolors. And um, so to try something so different, that was probably my favorite part. And also just that. I was allowed that space for the characters to just kind of have these quiet moments in between the big moments. Yes. Like there was a scene where 
one of the main characters, Cindy, has a boyfriend now. So where Judy used to hang out with her after school, all of a sudden Cindy is ditching her for, for Mark, and Judy's got these hours to kill between school and practice. And there's a scene where she's just like, she watches the boys practice for a while. She decides to go take a walk. She goes to the store. And I remember illustrating that, just thinking like, this is so fun just to have this moment where my character is like kind of bored and annoyed. And we just kind of kind of get to go through that experience with her. Where in a picture book, I feel like I've never been able to do something like that. Yeah. I really appreciated those moments because they felt so true to life. And especially that age where you can't drive. And so, you know, Judy had to stay until this late practice. And yeah. I thought those were really really well done. And you did such a good job with those illustrations because I felt that, I mean, just listening to you talk about yeah. it, like I can <laughs> think about that. It was, it was great. Okay. So when you sit down to write or draw or create a page, I guess, do you have the layout in mind? Like, how do you, how do you lay out the grid? How do you decide which ones are larger? I'm just interested as to how yeah. that gets done. I mean, it's sort of just divide and conquer. Like the way okay. I did it, I first wrote a script which was almost like a movie script. Okay. So I would write like page. Uh, I just kind of figured out each page and then uh, the panel. And then I'd give a description of what happens, dialogue, like who says what, and then the next panel, then the next panel. And I would kind of just picture it in my head for that whole part. And then once I go to start the sketches, I would start with just drawing panels. Like if I know this, this page needs five panels. Okay. And I kind of have an image in my head of like, all right, this panel, something really big is happening. There's going to be multiple characters that I need more space. This one's just, you know, maybe Judy's head talking. So that'll be smaller. So I just dive in and start drawing the panels, but then I kind of adjust as I go. Okay. Too. Like once I start sketching and I think, oh, this panel should be a little taller, but yeah, it's, uh, that, that was sort of what I, what kind of boggled my mind heading into this, where when you read a graphic novel, it's like, all right, each panel is its own composition. Each page is a composition of multiple panels, and they all have to fit together with words and art. And it's like, there's too much to figure yes. out how it's all going to fit. Like, how does anyone do that? <laughs> I mean, I think that when I read a novel too, it's like, how do you write a 300 page novel and, and structure all the different story arcs and character story? It's like, there's too much, but it's sort of just, you break it down, you make an outline, you script it out. and um, and then just figure it out. The all-powerful outline, right? Like that's the most boring advice I think that we all need. I remember yeah. when I first started working on a book that, you know, she said, okay, you're going to need to do a scene inventory. And I was like, okay. But I mean, it is, you can't, you can't build it without it, but that's so cool to think of it like a script. Yeah, that really seemed like, and I had spoken with other friends who have made graphic novels and kind of right. picked their brains about how to do this. And I used a program called Scrivener, which is really good for planning a big story like this. Okay. Um, just where it's almost like you have digital post-it notes where you can kind of just figure out, uh, like I could just write a post-it note with like, okay, this is the quarterfinal round. This is the sectionals and, and kind of break it into smaller pieces. But yeah, it was a lot of new stuff that I had to I had to figure out and a lot of trial and error. I love learning like that. It's so exciting. Yeah, yeah it was fun. I mean, every now and then I would have like stressful, it, it could be stressful just because I'm thinking like, this is my job and I have to be good at it. And I have like, 
a family to support and I can't just be like, oh, I'll try to do this thing that'll take me two years and I don't know if it's going to be good or not. But most of the time it was like, just, I felt like it kind of awakened my brain to have to mm. figure out how to do all this stuff. Well, I think you succeeded. I think thank you. I, I think your so. family will get to create more compost, which is I hope a good so, thing, yeah. right? We all want to buy the groceries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, especially since eggs are so expensive these days, right? That's true. I know. Yeah. The problems of modern life. I really love hearing that. So Scrivener, did you use that for your picture books also or just a um, new tool? I have since. I never I had never used it before I did hoops. That was one I learned from uh, my friend Scott Magoon, who was working on his first graphic novel at the same time. Oh, cool. He had used Scrivener before and kind of showed me the ropes with how that works. Well, I will be checking that out later today because currently my system of write things on tiny pieces of paper like a serial killer and then leave them around isn't oh, yeah. <laughs> really serving me. <laughs> yes. So that's perfect. Not a good way of keep, keeping track of all your chapters, probably. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> I really am excited for this one to come out. So I think we will release this podcast a little later, so it will be available for sale. And can I also ask what you're working on now? Do you talk about what's coming next, or do you prefer to just keep it in the vault? Yeah, I have a sequel to my book, Dasher, that's coming out oh, later in 2023. Okay. Which has been announced, so I can tell you about that. But yeah, it's called Dasher Can't Wait for Christmas. Oh, perfect. So I'm very excited for that one. Then I've got a couple more uh, books in the works. Yeah. If you weren't an author, what job would you do? Is there something that you secretly would? If I wasn't an author, I guess the one thing I I'd always kind of thought about in the back of my mind was, was that I think it would be cool to work for like Pixar, work for like an animation studio. Yes. Making books is a very solitary act most of the time. And sometimes I'll watch those like behind the scenes documentaries about about Pixar movies and just seeing them all like working together towards this this big goal. Like sometimes that uh, that appeals to me. Yeah. But then in reality, I feel like if I if I did that, I'd probably wish I was here in my studio by myself making my books. So <laughs> But yeah, animation is definitely something I, I thought of. It's so cool. I think it's fascinating. So I can see the interplay. You're right. When you want to be around people, it's like the green room thing, right? Like, hey, yeah. I need, as long as I have a good place where I can retreat from all you little right. tunes, then that's perfect. Yeah, like if you're required to be there every day, maybe it's different than how I'm envisioning Correct. it. But yes. Well, but it's more fun to think about dream jobs as totally dreamy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't want to think about the boring every day of it. That that really yeah. just makes us all Debbie Downers. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited for this. What do you feel like is your... I mean, will you write another graphic novel? Or would you I like think to? I so. Okay. I feel like it was such a massive project that by the end of it, I almost couldn't imagine ever doing it again. <laughs> But um, I think as time passes, I think I'll want to do it again. Um, and I think I learned a lot that I'll do differently next time that hopefully will make the process a little more smooth. Yeah. But it, it ended up just taking so much time just because every round of going back and making changes, there are like a thousand pictures, I think. So it just, everything's I... multiplied a gazillion times every time you go back. And sometimes it was a lot. But yeah, I think I would like to try to do it again. 
sounds like a childbirth kind of moment, right? Right, like enough like, time has to pass that you forget. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I guess I'll get up in the night with a baby. That'll be fine. Right. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense because you're right. The the larger the project, the more the waterfall effect when yes. you have revisions or Exponential. changes. Exponential, yeah. Oh, that is my true nightmare. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. But yeah. I think you did such... A tremendous job. So I'm excited. If, Thank you. If you yeah, I'm really proud of how it came out. I think that you should be. It really will be a gift to, I think, kids in that age, both boys and girls who, mm -hmm. you know, it just gives such a perspective as to the way that things change and the way that they can change. So I really enjoyed this and it totally has Hoosiers vibes. And even if you're not a yeah. basketball person, I think you'll still enjoy it. Yeah, I hope kids pick it up who aren't basketball people, because I do feel like it's more about friendship and it's not necessarily like you have to know anything about basketball to to enjoy the story. Yes, I think you did a really beautiful job, so I can't wait to share it with everybody. Thank you. What is OK? So I have one final question I steal from Esther Perel. She has a game out called Where Should We Begin, which okay. has it's just a box full of questions for conversation. And I like to torture people I know with it uh, when they come over to my house. But then I also have decided that I will bother podcast people with it as well. Okay. But they're great questions. Okay, so this is the one, and we'll close with this. Few people know I could talk for hours about what? Hmm. Few people know I could talk for hours about, oh my goodness. I'm trying to think of anything I know about that people don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I'm kind of in a weird position where I feel like my job is what my hobby used to be. And like, I get to incorporate all the stuff I love into my job. So, okay. Like I would say baseball, but I guess people might know that. What can I talk for hours about? Or even listen for hours about like something you're or interested listen. in that, that you maybe not, that you maybe don't know about. Hmm. I know it's a tough one. I'm totally drawing a blank. There has to be something that hasn't worked its way into my books that people would be like, yeah, we know that there's not much, there's not much else here, I guess. I don't know. Hey, you know what? This is great. You're a known entity. I, I guess. I, I like mean, this. I don't know. I'm like, look around. What's <laughs> I'm failing at this question. But, um, no, you're not. It just shows that you're really lucky. I think maybe to be in your sweet spot where you get yeah, to maybe. Yep. <laughs> share your expertise or you're super boring and we won't tell anyone. Yeah. I feel like so much, <laughs> so much from my life, like say being a Red Sox fan. Yeah. I've gotten to incorporate that into my books, you know, okay. like I, I remember going to games and watching Pedro Martinez pitch. And I feel like that's this whole other part of my life. Like I'm, I'm part of this group that started years ago when Pedro Martinez was on the Red Sox, this group of friends started posting k's for all of his strikeouts okay they call themselves the k men i wish they were the k people or the k crew it's not men it's women it's, it's children but it's been going for 20 something years now and i sort of joined joined this this group years ago it's just like a just a group of fans yeah so i feel like my life as a k person is like a whole different life outside of my author life but mm. that has made its way into my book world too because i did the book growing up pedro sure and the, k, the k crew is featured pretty prominently in there but yeah, I guess I guess that's one one part of my life where I'm not author illustrator. Matt, yeah, I'm just part of that 
and now we mostly do it. We raise money for charity, and it's, uh, it's just a lot of fun reason to get together and go to Red Sox games sometimes. But That is really cool. I love that. I think that that's – I would not have known that about you necessarily. I know the K-Crew is in there, but I think that, that was a – I think you succeeded. Good well, job. A secret identity. <laughs> secret I don't know if I could talk for hours about it, but yeah. Yeah, maybe I need to do this uh, – redo this question. Few people know I could talk for – like 20 minutes. Hours feels aggressive, <laughs> right? Hours feels like I'm sitting you down and ruining your day. Hours, right. <laughs> <laughs> a little hostage conversation. And I feel like in general, as a picture book creator, I tend to not ramble on for too long about things. Like you learn to be succinct. Yes. Like I find I it hard when I'm helping my kids, like if they have to write like a 500 word essay. Okay. It's like if you got the point across after 200 words, What's the point of writing 300? Like, who are you helping here? The teacher doesn't want to have to read 300 more words about nothing when you've already said what you need to say. Because uh, I'm so used to just like, you try to get the point across as simply as you can. Totally. So you're telling them to land the plane and they're like, dad, it says yeah. 500. I have to put 500. Right. I've got to just keep, got to keep just <laughs> rambling about nothing. But. That is such a good point, though, because picture books are ruthless. I mean, you just have to get to the point. Fast. Yeah, you just get used to just cutting all your words and whittling it down. Are you like that in conversation, too, then? So, I mean, for writing, are you are you a get-to-the-point guy? Um, I think for the most part, yeah, I think so. I mean, relatively. You. Like, my, my dad was someone who, like, almost never spoke unless it was like, unless he had something really important to say. Okay. Well, I'm not like that, um, right. but I'm sort of in the middle somewhere, I would say. That sounds very healthy. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think I am on the opposite end where I speak a lot when I have nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe well, you're that... in front of a classroom of students most of the time. So you kind of have to, you have yeah. to use your voice. <laughs> Got to keep the banter going. Otherwise it gets yeah. sad and boring. Well, Matt, this was a pleasure. I cannot wait to tell the kids I'm already thinking forward to this holiday season when I'm reading Red and Lulu. We'll bring Dasher into the mix. I'll yeah. tell them there's another book coming. And then I'm just so excited because I love telling them I've gotten to talk to this person because in their minds, including the librarians at Nerd Camp, you are totally a celebrity. So yeah. I'm really nice. appreciative for what your books and you bring to the world. I think it's wonderful and I can't wait for people to discover Hoop. So thanks so much for talking with me today. Well, thank you. This was great. Nice, nice talking with you. Pleasure to speak with you and we will be in touch. Sounds good. Thank All you. Right, thanks. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book. 